Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now here's this week's message from Hollyview Church. This week, Pastor Joel is preaching in Psalm chapter 118 with the message, Palm Sunday. I'm excited to uh, continue our study in Psalms this morning. And this Psalm actually is at the heart of Palm Sunday, which is why uh, we're advancing ahead to Psalm uh, 118 uh, this morning. You can open your Bibles and you can follow along uh, with that. I don't know if you're musical, uh, but usually most of us, there's something in our bones, even if we're not good at rhythm or even singing, that when we're in our car and a song comes on that we know or that we heard from when we were little kids, that we'll start tapping our toes or or hands or or singing along to the song. That's what songs do. They invite us in to participate with them. And the author of our psalm this morning, that's exactly what he wants to do. He wants to invite you in to sing this song as well. Psalm 118, I'd like to begin the message by reading the first four verses. Uh, Psalm 118, verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron, the the priests, the selected ones, say his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord from anywhere say his steadfast love endures forever. And you can hear it almost like a conductor. The psalmist is wanting to invoke the praise of everyone so that he can say, let the people in the foyer say, Let the steadfast love endure forever. Uh, Let those youth up front say, His steadfast love endures forever. If you're tired this morning, say, His steadfast love endures forever. This choir of people that He wants to invoke to join in and to sing. The invitation is for you this morning. To you, to anyone who would respond doesn't matter your history, the struggles, how long you've been in a church, or if this is your second time in church. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your struggles, your disappointments, the education you've had. The psalmist is inviting everyone who would respond, would you say with me, his steadfast love endures forever. Let's pray. Lord, as we come together, after a long week for some of us, uh, enjoying family and vacation and getting away and often crowds. And for others, it's just a normal week of work. And uh, we look forward to um, a full week, but hopefully a week of lots of meaning as we reflect on this last week of your earthly life. Lord, would you cause us to pause and reflect even this morning? That as we hear the psalm sung in our heads, that we would join in. That it would move 
our, our hearts. It would move our souls to, to move to it and that we would be invited to sing uh, right along. So, Lord, I prayed this morning that you'd open our ears, that we could hear. You'd open our eyes, that we could see. And, Lord, you'd soften our hearts, that we would respond to you, that we would know you better, we would love you better. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we celebrate Palm Sunday. And, you know, it's really one of the last holidays, like faith holidays, that our culture uh, hasn't figured out a way to monetize, don't you think? There's no, like, Palm Sunday shirts that you can go buy or, or really anything, because I don't think they really know what to do with this holiday. But then again, I'm not quite sure uh, even many believers know what this holiday is really about. I mean, we know it's about Jesus who finally comes into Jerusalem uh, and he ascends uh, through Jerusalem on a donkey. And on that day, uh, he, as he's done dozens of times before, he enters Jerusalem. But this day is, there's something different about it because all of a sudden uh, people, like they start going over to trees and cutting off limbs in a hot Israel, and then throwing them on the ground and throwing their coats on the ground. And then all of a sudden, this crowd begins to form, and this parade is following Jesus into uh, Jerusalem, throwing their coats on the ground in front of him, these waving these palm branches and throwing them on the ground. And the parade is shouting, and all of a sudden, you hear these chants, like at a blazer game, defense, defense. Like everyone knows what they're chanting, and what they're chanting, all of it is from one word. The word Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna, Hosanna. And I can imagine the moms later on who were probably busy doing something, uh, coming to their children and going, why is your coat so dirty? Or the dad who comes home from work going, who messed up the tree in the front yard? What is going on here? Before we dive into our text today, I actually want to set this message up by giving you a little challenge to see how well you guys do as a church. So take a deep breath. Here we go. We're going to uh, see if you can recognize these tunes with the shortest number of words uh, possible, okay? See if you can figure out these songs with the shortest number of words. And I'll sing it, so just bear with me, okay? <laughs> Here we go. Let's see if you can do it. We are the... Champions, my friends, ding, ding. we'll keep on fighting. So we are the, and you got it. Good job. How about this one? Sweet. Bump, bump, bump. Good. So you got that one with one word. All you needed to hear was sweet. And all of a sudden in your heart, right, you're waiting for the bump, bump, bump. Everyone likes, like, everyone Okay, how about this one? This is more for uh, our, our gathering. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Yeah, the doxology. One word. And so you want to keep singing, right? Because it invites, it invites you in. I just said if you could recognize these, and as you recognize them, you, you joined in. For many of us, when you recognize a song, when you know a song, there's something in the music that pulls you in so that you have to sing along. Uh, even after hearing only one word, uh, songs invite us uh, in, they invite us to sing, they invite us to feel, they invite us uh, to move, right? The cha-cha slide or uh, the hokey pokey. They invite us to move and do something. Well, Palm Sunday is about a group of people who hear one word of a song 
and they all join in. One word, it moved them. It, it said, this is what we're doing today. This is happening. It gave them hope. It instructed them what they were supposed to do. They heard the word, Hosanna. And they joined in the singing of Psalm 118. Now, Hosanna is a very interesting word. This is a more beside the point. Uh, if you look in your, it's a Hebrew word. that we, Hosanna is Hebrew. Uh, but if you look in your, in your Old Testament Bibles, they never translate the word Hosanna. They always translate it into English as usually save us. But in the Greek New Testament, in order to uh, connect back to the Hebrew, they use the Hebrew word. So we understand, has there, have all of you heard the word Hosanna before? Hosanna, everyone, Hosanna. Hebrew word, you won't find it in the Hebrew Bible unless you read Hebrew. You'll find it in the New Testament, in the Greek, because they're linking it back to a psalm. Okay, that's, that's just beside the point. But they hear Hosanna, and everyone knows what to do. They're invited to sing along. And this morning, you're invited to sing along with the psalm today as well. We're going to walk through Psalm uh, 118, and I want to show you four parts to the psalm. Uh, four parts to this, to this song and the different voices and, and moods in the song. The first part uh, begins with the choir of people singing. Uh, these opening lines in unison of strength and power. It's like, it's like a whole orchestra is filling the room and voices from all over are singing. It, it's so simple, but yet it's very powerful and moving. That's the first part. The second part is a solo. And as the orchestra crescendos, it's almost like everything drops out and all the instruments drop out and all you hear is one voice and maybe like a little piano in the background. You can almost imagine it. Just a solo uh, voice for a while. And then the choir, this is the third part, the choir joins back in at just the right moment when the tension of the song has risen to this crescendo and has built it all up, the, the choir joins back in once again with these passionate cries until the very end of the song, uh, it all goes back to that single voice. There's another solo. But that solo is actually inviting people in to sing the song. So, so we'll see the choir, the solo, the choir, the solo. Okay, that's a pretty easy song. Most, most songs have rhythms and patterns like that. So let's look, part one. Part one of Psalm 118 begins with the choir of voices. These voices that are rising from the valleys below, uh, they're rising in the mountains, in the city streets, declaring his steadfast love endures forever. You, you hear it from the people who have been struggling for so long in relationships or in their families, and they're finding peace, and they cry, his steadfast love endures forever. You, you hear it from the cries uh, of the people who are going through such a difficult time at school and work, wondering where they fit in and knowing that the Lord is by their side. His steadfast love endures forever. You hear it from those facing health crisis, finding peace with the Lord, from those who are grieving the loss of a loved one, knowing that in just a week we'll celebrate the power of the resurrection the power of the choir, uh, from voices from all over, in different languages, in different locations, in different histories, all together singing the testimony of the ones who have been forgiven and set free. His steadfast love 
endures forever. You can almost like feel it, this, uh, uh, this unison of voices and instruments. And, and then all that fades and we get to part two. We, we talked about that first part just at the beginning. We get to the second part of the song. The instruments fades, all the voices grow silent, and then all you hear is a single voice. Part two is a solo. Uh, in this, uh, I want to read it, but you'll, you'll hear the pronouns like I, me, and my. And as you hear them, ho hopefully it'll resonate with you. The lyrics will be like, yeah, I can, I can feel that. I've been there, or, or I am there right now. Uh, ho hopefully as we read through it, you'll be like, I could sing along to this song. I, I have been there too. I, I found myself in the position of the writer. This could be my song too. Look in verse 5. Psalm 118 and verse 5. It says, out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling. But the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous, the right hand of the Lord does valiant, valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord and the righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Let's, let's stop right there. There's a lot going on in this song that, that moves in and out, and it's almost like a, like a folk song that's telling a story, a story of this individual and his experience. A man is deeply distressed. It's like everywhere he looks, everything's going wrong. Everyone's against him. The whole, the whole world is out against him. Things are falling apart, and the weight and the burden of, of just life is crushing down on him. And in that crucial moment, he has a decision to make. How will he respond? Will he be bitter? Will he curse the Lord? Will, will he fight everyone? Will he run? What will he do? Well, this man chooses in that moment to, to turn to the Lord and calls on the Lord. He, he, he calls on the Lord, and the next thing he knows, the Lord is right there next to him. As his warrior, as his, his helper, so he can at least, at least look with hope on his enemies that there is going to be a day of victory. So he begins to sing. Even in the midst of his distress, the Lord is my strength and my song. He said, when I have nothing left, when everyone was against me, when everything was falling apart, uh, I turned to the Lord and he reached down and he's by my side and he saved me. He stood by my side. 
He never let me go. When death was at my doorstep, God would not hand me over to death. And then as he's uh, singing this song, giving this testimony, it's almost like he steps out of his tent and he can hear this, this low murmuring from all around what sounds like, like singing. He steps out of the tent and hears voices beginning to rise from the tents and the valleys all below him. The voices of, of people who are also being uh, crushed and broken and tired and weary, but they're, they're singing. And they're not songs of sadness, but songs of gladness. And if we could stand next to that, to that man who has been crushed, but has called on the Lord, and the Lord is by his side, has given him victory, the sounds that he is hearing, the songs that are coming from the tents and the valleys below and all around are of God's salvation for that one man. It's, it's as if this one man has been saved from death to life and everyone is joining the songs about his salvation. The songs are about him. How God has rescued him, heard his cry. Because of that, others are joining in with the singing. He has triumphed over his enemies in death and that brings singing from everyone all around. The man who was crushed and bruised then comes back to the city like uh, someone who has gone out to a battle and coming back to Jerusalem after uh, a war. But he gets to the gates of the city and the gates are closed. Now, gates of an ancient city are, are meant to keep out the enemies. And different gates all around Jerusalem, they all had different names and, and often indicated who or what could come through uh, those gates. Well, the man in our psalm gets to the gate gets right up to it, and, and we find out this is the Lord's gate. It's the righteous gate. It's meant to keep out any sin and rebellion and unholiness out of this place. This is the Lord's gate. But the man in our Psalms goes right up to the gate of righteousness and asks, Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them. Who in the world can ask that the gates of righteousness be opened. Only the righteous one. The gates that were intended to keep out sin and rebellion. Gates that not any one of us could go up to and ask to be opened. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them. We're, we're all sinners and we live in rebellion against the Lord. And so the gates of righteousness are there to, to hold us out from his holy perfection. Only this man in the psalm, only this one man is worthy to have the gates of righteousness opened to him. But then it says that the righteous ones may enter through it. It's plural. It says that the righteous or the righteous ones, the righteous people may then enter through the gate. Because the righteous one has come and been Worthy to have the gate open for him, he then invites the righteous people to come in, not because of their own righteousness, but because those who enter the gates of righteousness are then declared righteous, not based on our merits, but on the one who was crushed, who went before us, who opened the way. Then he sings, this one man, in, line tw in verse 22, about the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. 
We know that's about Jesus if we read the New Testament. A cornerstone is this chief stone. It's the most important stone that's set down, but not by itself. This is the intention that there will be other stones that are placed on that as well, that, that it's built into something uh, based on this first stone. The cornerstone is a chief stone. It, it gives direction or support to all the other stones. It's the first of many, many, many stones. 1 Peter 2.4, I think he's reflecting on uh, this as well. In 1 Peter 2.4, he says, As you come to him, Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. As he goes up to the gates of righteousness and say, Open the gates of righteousness to me. Then he invites everyone to come in. Who, those who would respond, come to the gates of righteousness. Declare, be declared righteous, not based on your merit, but on Jesus' merit. So the song has been moving. It's this crescendo piece. And the people that are singing in their tents, and on that day in Jerusalem with Jesus, as those people come out who are longing for a king and a Messiah, and they see the one who is being crushed and and broken, and all the nations are against him, but he's worthy to enter into uh, the gates of the city, the one who has made a way through the gates of righteousness. Uh, a choir of voices then joins in. Uh, this, this festal procession, this uh, NCAA, your college team has won on the floor celebration. We're all joining in. It's the Super Bowl team winning and the parade coming back into the city where everyone comes out and is cheering uh, people on that day when Jesus was going into Jerusalem, they see Psalm 118 happening. The righteous one is here. Our king is finally here. He's opened the gates of righteousness. Let's, let's come in uh, after him. And the choir returns. So listen to this third part. There's a change in pronouns from the I and me that we saw before to the us and our. It's the voices of everyone now who are singing uh, the song. Verse 23. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us. Hosanna, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. And let's just stop right there for a minute. As the people see this one who is worthy to go in, they can't help but join in the song. They have, what they've just witnessed, they just declare, this is amazing. This is the Lord's doing. What we have just witnessed and heard about, it's all from the Lord. The, the gates of righteousness are now opened to the hurting, the lonely, the sinful, the proud and broken? Would you respond? Would you join in the parade? Would you go through the gate to gather as a community of people in this parade? This is the day that the Lord has made. Not just any day, but this day. The day that the Messiah is coming into the city to become king, to lead the people in victory. 
when the king will come and finally sit on his throne, when finally the brokenness in our government will be dealt with, when the injustice will, will face judgment, when the hurts will be healed, when you will finally be able to be reconciled to that friend you haven't spoken to in so long. This is the day when the Messiah, the great king who reigns in the power and might of the Lord will enter the city. Then we get to verse 25. Hosanna. Like I said, it's in, in English, we translate it as save us. But Hosanna is actually uh, this Hebrew word that has two different ideas. One of them is save us, like if you're drowning in a pool, save us. Hosanna, save us. But it can also be uh, as this declaration of celebration. He is saving us. It's a very uh, unique word and unique to this song. So if someone was on that street that day and they heard a little, cry, a little kid starts uh, calling out, Hosanna, just like you with sweet Caroline, you know it. Everyone on the street that day would know, oh, they're singing Psalm 118. In this psalm, the Lord, it's the personal name of God, they ask the Lord, Yahweh, give us success. And then they say, blessed is he, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And then the very next line is, we bless you, which is in the plural in verse 26. The people are blessing both Yahweh, the great God, and also this one who comes, the anointed one who comes in his name. They're blessing both God and his anointed. We bless you both. And look where they're blessing him, from the house of the Lord or the temple, the dwelling space of God with men. They're, they're praising both God and this anointed one from the place where God and man are supposed to dwell together. The Lord has sent his king to make a way for humanity to commune with God once again. The Lord is going to establish his king in Jerusalem on his holy hill. Crowds of people from everywhere, the broken, the lost, the sinful. He says, come with me up to the horns of the altar, like the very, the very sacred place in the temple where only priests and only a select few priests could actually go. There is one that's going to come and make a way for everyone who responds to come with me, that we can praise the Lord from the temple, from the place where God and humans dwell together. The crowds of people join in. Those longing to be healed, forgiven, set free. Those longing for a do-over in life. They've messed things up. Those wanting to be freed from, from addictions and circumstances or the problems they have. They're looking for answers. Then look again closely at the second half of verse 27. It says, bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of an altar. Now, if you grew up reading uh, NIV, uh, New American, uh, New International Version, you would see there's actually a different uh, translation here. And it would say this, uh, with boughs in hand, join the festal procession, or, or with big branches in hand, join the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. Why do we wave palm branches on Palm Sunday? Why do we even call it Palm Sunday? A lot, a lot of it's taken from right here. This parade of sacrifice to follow the king into the city with, with 
bows in hand, with these large branches in hand, grab them. It's worth it. Cut that tree, get that branch down to join the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. There's a parade that's going somewhere. This parade is into Jerusalem, through the righteous gate, into the temple, to the very spot where the blood of the sacrifice would have been shed, right at the heart of the temple, the most sacred place, to the heart of what it means to have a relationship with God and humanity, where only the priests could go. This whole crowd of people are busting in. Some of them are going, we're overthrowing the government. We're finally getting free from Rome. We're, we're, we're cleansing everything. We're there. We're right with you. And in their passion for this power, the people that day, I think they totally missed the point of the song. They're going to make a sacrifice. But as they're marching up to the horns of the altar in Jerusalem, they don't have a lamb. They want victory. They want power, authority, but they don't recognize the sacrifice. See, on that very same mountain, Abraham, 2,000 years before, climbed with his son Isaac. Very same place. They, they too were on this march, this parade, to worship uh, the Lord. But Isaac pauses along the way and goes, Okay, Dad, we got the wood and we got the fire, but where's the lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham says, God will see to it. God will provide a way. Well, on that Palm Sunday, they were on a march, same exact spot, to, to a place of sacrifice where blood was going to be shed, but they have no lamb with them. Now, I just, I wonder in this crowd, I, I can almost picture that there'd be this little kid in the crowd that go, Dad, if we're going up to the altar, where's the lamb? Where's the lamb for the sacrifice? Daddy? God will supply. God will see to it. And over the next week, Jesus himself would be the lamb of God, bound and killed. The temple curtain ripped in two from top to bottom, making a way for anyone who would respond to the song of salvation to join in. Anyone who responds to join the parade. In that song, it actually continues to be sung today. Today. As long as it is called today, the song is being sung. This is the day that the Lord has made. This day. The invitation to join the parade goes out to each one of you here as well today. It doesn't matter what you've done, how much you know, or your background. You're actually invited to join in this parade up to the horns of the altar where Jesus will sacrifice his own life so that you can have a relationship with your creator again. It's a, it's a parade up to the cross where you can be declared righteous because of Jesus' righteousness imputed, given to you, his life for your life as he lays his life down as a substitute for us. The last part of the song, then, as all these people are joining in this, this parade and this song, he's inviting, uh, he's inviting them to sing along when all of a sudden the last, two voice, the last two verses we have the solo again of the one who has walked through all of this. The voice changes again from our and my to us and I. 
from my uh, to our and from us to I. You hear the single voice who, lead, who has led this procession up till now, who endured death to cry out to us today. Verse 28, you are my God and I will give, you, give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. And the song ends the same way it began. It's like the song that never ends. Yes, it goes on and on, my friends. Jesus started singing it very long ago, and he'll just keep singing it until people respond or the day of judgment finally comes. David David writes this psalm, more than likely David. No one really knows. There's no superscript. Uh, but it's in the same style as David. So David or someone like him is in pain. He's in distress. He's overwhelmed. He doesn't know what to do. And all he, all he can do is turn to the Lord. And as he turns to the Lord, he, he recognizes the Lord is right by my side. And this song comes from his heart and on his lips that offers him comfort and, and hope. And he, and he pens this, this psalm. The next generation then, as they rebel against the Lord, and so they put themselves in a horrible position, and God sends this foreign nation to keep them, take them captive. They're losing their house and their home and, and everything. Uh, they find the Psalm of uh, 118, and they, as they read it, they go, yes, this is where we're at. And they sing the song as they're being carried off into captivity to Babylon. When the nations surrounded me, when they surrounded me on every side, like bees, like fire through the thorns, everything is closing in on me. Yes, these are my words too. Lord, I'm turning to you. And generation after generation, they pick up this song and go, this is our experience too. This is our experience too. Until finally on that Palm Sunday, Jesus says, I'm the one that actually wrote this psalm. He, he rides on a donkey to this procession uh, up to the horns of the altar where people for over and over for the generations have sung the songs in hopes of something. He finally says, it's because I have lived this song. I've walked on earth as a human. I know what it means to be in distress, to have pain and sorrow, to not know what's next or where to even, where to even turn. All I have is the Lord, Yahweh, my God. Follow me. He opened the way for salvation and calls for everyone here today, as long as it's today, to join in the song. The writer of Hebrew picks this up. Hebrews 4 and verse 14 says, Since then we have a great high priest, uh, one who has marched into the very altar of the temple, who is worthy who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. The writer of Hebrews actually connects the sympathy and compassion of, of Jesus to the Psalms, to, to David. Just before this, if we went back just a few verses in Hebrews 4, it says this, Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, 
uh, the rest that the Lord is offering. And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David, so long afterwards, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today. As long as it is called today, the song is being sung by thousands and millions of people all over the world from different circumstances who have responded to the call of the Lord. Would you make me your king? Would you take my righteousness on for you? Would you put your sin uh, and your shame and your rebellion, would you put it at the foot of the cross? Would you confess? And the parade is marching by. Shouts of people, forgiven and set free, giving testimony of what the Lord has done. Happy hearts saying, his steadfast love endures forever. So let me ask you, is today the day? Is today the day that you finally join in the parade and go, I'm following the Lord. I'm giving up my sin and my shame, and I'm taking on his righteousness. I'm entering the kingdom of God after my Savior, that you march up to the horns of the altar, to the cross where you find forgiveness and healing from the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. If Jesus is your king, this is a call for us to respond. Don't get distracted. Don't lose hope. Don't lose sight of where he is and what he is doing in your life. And let us respond with joining in this great psalm, Psalm 118. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, as we celebrate Palm Sunday, where you embodied Psalm 118, where people saw that... um, Yahweh had sent his anointed one, his king, to rule and reign on his holy hill in Jerusalem, that he would offer his own life as a sacrifice for us. Lord, I pray that we would all enter through the gates of righteousness, that we would accept the free gift of salvation when we turn to Jesus and call on him to to be our helper, our warrior, our fighter, and that we could be declared righteous because of his life. And Lord, if somebody, if somebody is outside of those gates trying to be good enough this morning, would you just impress upon them? They don't have to be good enough. They just have to follow the king who is good. To repent of their own sins and to accept the free gift of salvation only found in the righteous one, in your Messiah, the blessed one who came, comes in the name of the Lord. And Lord, would the rest of us respond with our hearts? Would we, would we just couldn't help but join in to sing, your steadfast love endures forever, even when our circumstances don't seem like it, knowing that the hope and the trust in who you are, that one day there's a resurrection of the dead. There's a new heaven and a new earth and a relationship reconciled with you and with people who are following after you for the rest of eternity. And Lord, we all enter into that parade. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212, between Boring and Damascus, Oregon, or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.